1: Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics' dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portson with you in beautiful Boston, where tonight the Blue Jackets take on the Boston Bruins. Game one of the second round of the NHL playoffs, the Stanley Cup playoffs. This would make this the conference semifinals. First time the Blue Jackets have made it this far. This is old hat for the Bruins, but it should be a good series uh, this these next couple of weeks with some two physical teams uh, going uh, toe-to-toe. Allison Lucan is here with us. Hello. As is Tom Reed. Hello. And we're going to get this uh, series ready to roll. Last time we talked to you, there was, uh, of course, a question mark. Who are they going to play? Is it going to be Toronto? Is it going to be Boston? I think everybody kind of thought it was going to be Boston. I think everybody kind of, if you're a Blue Jackets fan, hoped it was going to be Toronto. Maybe that was the better matchup or seemingly the easier matchup. Uh, but here they are with the Bruins. Uh, first to the news, there are no lineup changes for the Blue Jackets. Marcus Nudavara still out. Uh, a couple of long-term injuries are still out as well. Adam McQuaid and Ryan Murray. Uh, no Vladislav Gavrikov. There was some thought that the uh, recent Russian signee, would draw right in. That is not going to happen per John Tortorella. So they're sticking with their crew. That puts Dean Kucan on the second defensive pair with David Savard. It makes the third defensive pair, Scott Harrington. And...
2: Adam Clendenning.
1: Adam Clendenning, who uh, played pretty well the last couple of games in the Tampa Bay series. Uh, so that's where we're at. Uh, I... You know what, they did such an incredible job the Blue Jackets in that first series of really making life easy on their defensemen and not to take anything away from the way that they played because they played really really well. But it was not it was not a not a series where they had to do a lot of work in their own zone. They forechecked so well that they did just a lot of reloading mostly. Um I I wonder if things are going to be different. I kind of assume that they will be different here. Um, in the sense that I think Boston is going to spend more time in the Columbus zone than Tampa did. Uh, Tell me, if you guys can, and Tom, I'll start with you, how big a concern is it to have Kukan on the second pair, and maybe even more so to have the third pair of Clendenning and Harrington? Can the Blue Jackets sort of uh, get by with those guys at at this point in this intense of a series?
3: Well, we're about to find out. I think that, what, that the, what's, what's interesting is uh, Tampa Bay did not want to dump the puck in. Uh, they they have their skill guys. They have the way they the style of play that they have. Boston has no problem with that. Go get it. Dump it in and go get it. And yeah. uh while well, they, they certainly have some skilled players as well, some highly skilled players, uh, they are not afraid to use the body. It's going to be a series of ice packs and masseurs because Boston is going to come at you, and you're right. We'll, we'll find out what some of these younger defensemen are made of. Uh, I would expect 30-minute nights for Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski probably, uh, and a lot, uh, David Savard. And yep. let's, let, but let's be honest. I mean, D- Dean Kukan, I- I'm not going to take anything away from him. He's played well. He, he played well down the stretch in really important games and was good in the first round. So until he shows me he can't do it. I'm going to keep trusting the, the fact that he's been pretty good. I think he's done a really nice job. And I think the other guys, the third pair, uh, will see limited minutes depending on how the game goes. Yeah. Uh, I think that's going to be a big part of it. How the game goes will kind of dictate how much that third pair plays.
1: Yeah, Allison, Kukin has been a, a revelation and, and kind of a, a big a savior for the Blue Jackets with Ryan Murray being out, he's really added a uh, sort of a puck moving element to the bottom half of their defense, bottom third of their defense anyways, for most of the, re- the the stretch drive of the season. What did the Blue Jackets do in that in the first round that kind of kept kept their defensemen from, from having to, for lack of a better word, defend a lot? And and how, how do, do you foresee them being able to have the games played in that way here against this Bruins club?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to what you already pointed out about the aggressive forecheck. We saw that the Jackets basically, when it boiled down to it, all of their effort was even giving up some of the neutral zone but never giving up entries into the offensive zone was their whole game plan. Um, And that's what limited that work. Um, I'm also, and and I will point out too, I think that, you know, we knew Kukin was a good puck mover, I think we started to see a little bit more physicality in his game. Now he's no David Savard. <laughs> Don't get it. Yeah, Don't get it right. twisted. But um, I think we started to see a little bit more of that from him, which is a good sign um, for the reasons Tom already pointed out. What what I'm really watching for, particularly in these first two games, as the teams re-feel each other out in, in the context of this series is is how the matchups are played, right? Yeah. Because um, Boston relies pretty heavily on on their top two lines um they got some depth scoring late in the series against toronto but but how that game will be played strategically um could also it's inches right it's not going to be this huge edge but um could also help manage how the blue jackets defenseman can can play as a unit
0: yeah
1: i one just gets the sense that you're going to see seth jones time you mentioned this and and Zach Wierenski drawing way up into the upper 20s in ice time, maybe the lower 30s. And, Tom, you wrote a piece today. Uh, check it out if you're on the Athletic website on Seth Jones and, and how this is a um, – we get to see this player every night. We realize what a special player he is. This this playoffs now is it has a real opportunity for him as a coming-out party. Um, where I, I think he has already considered I was talking to a couple of national guys today that had Seth Jones third on their Norris Trophy ballot this year. I'll be honest, I did not. Um, but I do think he's well-regarded around the league, but this is an opportunity now for him, really a launch pad, where he can be uh, thrust into that, that area that he deserves to be, uh, where there's just no doubt about it, upper echelon type defenseman.
3: Uh yeah, I I, I think we we all have uh, I I don't want to speak for Allison but I think we all believe that he is one of those top 5 top 6 defensemen in the league over the last couple of years. I agree with you and I mentioned this in the story that even he he thought that there were a couple of weeks there uh in February and March when the team was struggling and they were mixing deep pairs and he probably was trying to do too much. But overall, I mean, last year I thought he was out incredible. But really, you get it's funny because the the Norris Trophy is a regular season award. But let's be honest, this is the time of year where everybody's watching. Everybody's watching. And the way things that have, have broken for them, first of all, he's made it, like a lot of the players in this team, to the second round for the first time in their careers. He played exceptionally well in the first round of the series. And a lot of, in this crazy year of upsets, a lot of the biggest stars in the league have been knocked out, including defensemen. So you're going to, I think there's going to be a lot of focus on Seth Jones, uh, certainly in this series because as we just got done talking about, he's going to probably play a lot, and this is really a chance for him to really get his name out there. And if he plays well, that probably means the team's playing well too. So it's a big, it's a big series for the team and a big series certainly for him as far as you know gaining that recognition that I think we all think he deserves.
1: Yeah, and so Doc Emmerich's doing play by play tonight. That that's gonna reach more people, right? Jeremy Ronick is gonna bat Seth Jones around during the intermission report. Mike Milberry's in the house. He's gonna bat him around. Uh they're gonna be talking about these players. It's gonna elevate these guys. Um Allison, where do you put Seth Jones in the hierarchy of NHL defensemen and what what can this postseason mean to him?
2: Yeah, I mean I'm 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 with you in that I think this maybe wasn't his strongest year when we think about a Norris um, candidacy, um, but he's going to be there. Uh, he's going to be there a lot for a long time, and for people to see his game to, on a smaller stage. I mean, this is the o- this is the only early game. We went from a from a crazy two weeks of you know three, four, five games a night sometimes to th- this is why the playoffs matter. It's a spotlight. It's the only hockey people can watch if they want to watch hockey. Um, and they're, I think they're going to have their eyes opened in a way to, to how he plays, how he plays. Isn't how a lot of other defensemen play in my opinion. Um, and and to that end, what, you know, it's, I will say this too. Um, we were talking about this before we sat down to record it. It's situations like this where numbers aren't going to tell us the whole story either. And that's why eyes matter. Um, I'm obviously big on numbers, but in in a playoff series, you have to look at context. You have to look at role within the game plan the team played. And if you just pull up a spreadsheet on the Jackets, particularly with just four games, there's not a lot to talk about there. But when you watch for all the things you guys just said, um, this is a special player who's who's going to draw the eye for all the right ways.
1: Yeah, he's just – my my thing is just so – so fast and so athletic that he fits he fits today's mold and that he he can defend obviously but he's just such a all around player that covers so much of the ice surface just with his uh with his athleticism his smarts he's he's it's all there I think he wins at least a Norris before he's done Amen uh, but, but we'll see um, I wrote a piece about Matt Shane and and how this been two months now first of all it doesn't feel like it's been two months. <laughs> Uh, but there's been a lot of uh, water under the bridge here in that time. acquired from Ottawa on February 22nd. Blue Jackets obviously needed a skilled sentiment. And what a, what a treat it's been for Don Tortorella to have a skilled forward that can win a faceoff. Not a defensive forward that can win a faceoff, but a guy he can send out to win a faceoff and keep him out there. Uh, and that, it's made a big difference for him in terms of matchups and such. They needed him badly. He's brought the power play to life along with some others. Uh, I think he's brought sort of a fresh perspective in the room, too. He's one of the better talkers, and he seems to always be present. Um, I think he's been an emotional lift in the room as well. But I think Matt Duchesne needed the Blue Jackets, too, and he's used these last uh, two months to sort of dispel some of the the, um, the the stuff that had been attached to him, the whispers you hear about him across the league. I think, frankly, they're the same whispers you hear about any player, uh, any good player on a not-good team. Like uh, Rick Nash used to catch grief in Columbus. He's not a winner. Uh, He can't do this. He's a me guy because he celebrates the 41 goals and his team doesn't win. Uh, A lot of stuff said about Matthew Shane through the years, and I think he's starting to change things up a little bit, just the perception of him and how he can play in these post-season, this, this postseason. He's been a great player for the Blue Jackets so far. Um, Allison, we'll, we'll uh, go to you here first. Matt Duchesne, what have you learned about him? What have you seen from him uh, in in these two months, and in the playoffs specifically, the most important time of the year, uh, that either surprised you or that maybe you just didn't expect to see uh, from him?
2: Yeah, I mean, I... I, I his impact has obviously been something people have seen, not just in how he plays both in special team situations, but also five on five. Um, But, you know, to, to take it a step away from his play, even, because I think that's really drawn all the right attention already to your point, what I've seen, you know, and Matt Duchesne is saying all the right things right now. And I, and I believe means them what he's saying, but even if Matt Duchesne is not a Columbus blue jacket, come July 1, to your point of, you know, he's selfish, this and that, I've seen someone who really goes all in as a team guy, right? I mean, I remember it was like his first week here, and he's sitting talking to Eric Robinson about something to do with his stick. I mean, this is a guy who engages with coaches, engages with his teammates, engages with the community, um, and and buys in for what's being asked of him really completely, and I think that – that off the ice, that attitudinal side is, is worth noting as well.
1: And so Matt, one of the things Shane revealed the other day is that he, he goes and talks to the goaltending coach uh, before they play a game against a goalie that maybe he's not super familiar with. Now I don't know if he does that against Boston because he's played against tukarask many times. Um, but he, so he'll go to the goaltending coach and say, what, what, what do you see in this guy? And it's in, it's in many different sort of, Areas of the game. There's breakaways for sure. What does this guy do on breakaways? What is his tendency? But it's also if if in tight moments where where you're taking a a shot just out of nowhere, what does he do? Where's his glove? Where's his soft spot? The stuff that I can't. I was asking about this. How can you process all of that when you've got a tenth of a second to decide what you're going to do? And he said, "Well, it's not." It's it's framing your mind so that that's what you're thinking before the puck even gets to you. And I'm like, okay, yeah, the, the, among the millions of reasons right. I'll never be a professional athlete, there's number 994. Um, but uh, this guy's a nerd. He's a hockey geek, uh, rink rat, all of those things. Uh, Tom, your impression's two months deep into the uh, Matt Duchesne experiment here.
3: Yeah, I think that, that uh, you know, I think the guy wants to win. I think the guy is tired of being cast as, uh, you know, one of these guys that just has collected a lot of gold medals as part of being Canada's golden generation. Uh, uh, He's obviously won a ton. He's a serial winner at the international level. And you've just, from the very first day that that I really met him as a blue jacket, it it was just like it, it was. You could absolutely see it. It was radiating with him that this was this was a, a, at least a chance at least i was going i'm going to be going to the playoffs and i can remember him telling me in the that that morning he was in the locker room and he was before he even knew he was getting traded to columbus looking at their lineup and like that's a damn good lineup that's 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 a pretty good team yeah so you could tell the excitement right away and i and i and i go keep going back to that 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 first game in ottawa we're talking to like Cam Atkinson and Foligno and those guys were so excited to get him. And I can remember thinking that night, although I had no knowledge of it, they are not trading Artemi Panarin. They are just—they are so excited to get this guy. And like maybe they can, maybe they can make a run here because they love the addition uh, of this guy and what he brings. And just what you were saying, I mean, it, it is amazing. When you go into a face-off circle in the offensive zone, especially on a power play, and the fact that this guy could probably going to win this face-off. We saw that last night in the uh, Carolina-Washington game with Jordan Stahl. He just was winning everything. He just kept winning face-off after face-off. What that does, I I think Allison would probably know better than me. I think they scored at least, I think the Blue Jackets scored maybe two of their goals uh, against Tampa in the series where Duchesne won the faceoff and the yep. puck was in the net yep. like, like 15, 20 seconds later. Yep. Just And I, I remember Allison writing that great piece earlier in the year kind of diagnosing all the problems the Jackets have had on the power play. And when one entire section was devoted to not winning the original draw and losing 20, 30 seconds off of it by having to retrieve the puck and trying to get into the zone again, I mean, that is such a massive advantage. Little things become massive things in the playoffs and winning winning draws in either end zone
1: are huge yeah and now who can say where this is going with duchene is he going to sign long term in columbus or not you know the blue jackets are going to make a run at him they're going to have plenty of cap space to do this they're going to have a need of course for a centerman um i think when when Duchesne got here i'm not sure how open his mind was to a long-term relationship with the Blue Jackets, he's obviously not going to go into that. But one thing he, he would allow is that this is absolutely a place that he would consider staying. He absolutely loves it. Why wouldn't he consider staying here? Um, he, he seems to find a new way um, almost every day to express his affinity for Columbus and his, um, how impressed he is with, with the fans. Uh, and I, you know, guys, guys say the right thing, right? I mean, even Aaron and Bobrovsky are saying the right thing about Columbus right now, and, and they may not have any interest in staying. Um But I, I can't help but think that some of it's genuine. And, and I I don't know that that he's going to stay here. I don't think that's that's that anybody could have that answer right now. But I, I think it's a place that he would consider. And I, I, th- I don't rule it out anymore. I feel much more. If, if I'm the Blue Jackets, I feel much more uh, optimistic that it could happen, that it would be fairly considered than I did when he first got here. Um, you guys feel the same way, Allison?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, this is it, – it's it's it, it's the old dating scenario, right? Put your best foot forward, and the organization yeah. is right now, as is the player. Um, and, and I think, you know, some of the quotes you had, too, and, and – even his comment about when you come here as a visiting team you walk or bus from the hilton on on what is that front yeah. to to the arena and you see nothing so your impression of columbus is not complete and i think he's been he's really had his eyes opened i think he is going to listen i think i will say i think that to all the points we just made about him being such a student of the game it, it It also depends how this team season ultimately ends. I mean, are they just destroyed in in you know four straight games at any one round? I mean, how does that, I think, is also going to weigh on on his consideration? because Tom's right. he He wants to win and and there's nothing wrong with that. Even his his wife, who I talked to for for the story on the wives jacket, said she was even excited. To finally not have to wear Team Canada colors, and she was joking, of course. But she's she's Ooh. American. She's American, and she said, oh, I've always had to wear Team Canada colors because that's where Matt has has played, and it's, it's really cool to, even though it's not technically Team USA, she gets to wear red, white, and blue because the jackets are red, white, and blue. So it, you know, it's they're loving this and how it ends, and and what this team looks mm. like." at least the way he thinks it looks next season, is going to matter just as much as what they do this year.
1: Uh, Duchesne's thing is, as told by those around him, the three things away from hockey that inspire him most, faith, family, fishing. And Tom, is a rugged outdoorsman, where would you take him to go pull some steelhead out of the water if you were in? <laughs>
3: I have no idea. I don't go near water. The only place I go near water, I could take him to the downtown YMCA where I swim every day. You, like, you got fish cool. in there? Uh, just I don't think just, so. just, cl- just chlorine. They have chlorine. I know that. Um, yeah. But no, I, I couldn't. If I get uh, like more than 10 minutes outside the downtown area, I, I start to get really nervous. So yeah. no, I, I wouldn't do that guy. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Um, I think one of the great ways to recruit guys to a city is through their wives. Uh, Allison, you talked to the Mrs. Duchesne. Ashley? Yes. Uh, for a story you did. Tell us about that story. I'm sure she expressed her love for Columbus in there as well. Uh, but it, there's a larger that has been going on for a few years now. She's new to it, but it's been going on for a few years.
2: Yeah, it was, it was kind of fun. I just figured, you know, I think many of us, if you're around the team, even just as a fan coming to games, uh, you see this, the women wearing matching jackets with the, the players' numbers and names on the back. And just you see it from other teams, too, and just decided to ask some of the wives about it. You know, Natalie Atkinson is kind of the driving force behind them. This is their third year. Um, but what was really cool is they have a lot of fun with it. Some of the women make jackets or shirts for their kids as well. But it, it, Ashley said this really cool thing. I thought she said, you know, hockey is this supposed to be this really humble sport. And often the wives might feel like they're not supposed to be crazy cheering and really out there with their support. And, and the playoffs are a time when they can do that. And they can also show up as their own team and their own united front. And it means something to them to show formally that they are part of this and, and the guys all know it. I mean, some of the guys kind of laughed and, and, you know, shied away from having to admit <laughs> what they ask of their wives, particularly during the playoffs. But, um, just a cool time to, to see the women come together and, and be able to enjoy. as tort says the playoffs are supposed to be fun. And the, the women are, are using the opportunity to make it so as well.
1: Yeah. Good stuff. Check that out on the site. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff on the side right now. Let's bring in Joe McDonald of Athletic Boston to chat about the Blue Jackets opponent tonight. Joe, thanks for joining us. Uh, the series starts tonight. Give us your uh, just the happenings from the, the morning today with uh, Boston. Any news and notes to report from the uh, the morning skate on uh, the day of game one?
4: Yeah, you know, these guys are relaxed and ready to go. And uh, the one thing about the Bruins is that uh, Bruce Cassidy was – was pretty happy with the fact that this series started right away. At least for the Bruins, I know the Blue Jackets have been off for for since what April 16th. Is that is that? What the I think it was March fourth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know it feels like that. Uh, actually, we have one, uh, two little lineup changes. Uh, one is that uh, Mark Wagner. I'm sorry, Mark Wagner. He's a former Red Sox player around here. Never mind. <laughs> Chris Chris Wagner uh, will be back in the line. I knew I was going to do that at some point this season. Uh, Chris Wagner will be back in the lineup. He's going to be playing on the third line with Charlie Coyle and Marcus Johansson and Connor Clifton, the rookie defenseman will be back in the lineup because veteran defenseman John Moore is dealing with an upper body injury. So those are the only two changes uh, for Boston. Former blue jacket, John Moore.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Tell us now, Allison pointed out to me that, that for much of that first round series, uh, the vaunted first line of the Bruins was not together that they'd, They'd moved Pasternak uh, to a, a different spot. Where does that sit right now, and how much do you believe that, or do you think that the big three are going to be back together again at some point?
4: Well, David Pasternak needs to get going here, guys. I mean, he was very quiet in that first round against the Maple Leafs, and uh, maybe that had to do with the fact that Bruce Cassidy took him off that top line with Bergeron and, and Marshan and, and put him down with David Krejci and Jake DeBrusk. Uh, but – it, that's nothing new because David Postonok has played between those two lines uh, pretty consistently over the last two seasons. Uh, certainly, when you look at him playing on the top line, it's probably one of the best, you know, line, one of the best lines in the NHL. Sure. So at least is going to be with David Krejci, but it wouldn't surprise me one bit that Bruce Cassidy makes an in-game decision and puts uh, number 88 back on the top line.
1: Uh, I'll ask you a question, and we'll let uh, Tom and, and Allison weigh in on one. What what about this Blue Jackets team from the Boston perspective gives them pause? Is there one aspect of what the Blue Jackets do, or who they are, that that you think concerns the Bruins in any way? Two things that you know
4: players and Bruce Cassidy have mentioned over the last couple of days since the uh, the first round uh, win. Maple Leafs was basically that the physicality is going to be you know something, something to deal with. You know, obviously we, we both know that both teams are very physical uh, can play that style, but obviously they're both very talented as well. Uh, and the other thing that one that the Bruins know that they need to do this series is that they need to find that fine line because as physical as the Bruins can play, they also know that if they're in the box, the Blue Jackets' power play is very potent, and they know that they have to try to stay out of the box in order to have success in that special teams battle. Because, look, I mean, we all know that this time of the year it comes down to depth, power plays, or special teams, and goaltending. And, and those are really going to be the themes of this series, at least from the Boston Bruins' perspective.
1: Yeah, interesting.
4: Allison, you got a question?
2: Yeah, Joe, I was curious if maybe you could share a little bit more about what goes into Chris Wagner's usage. I know he's been in and out of the lineup, particularly against – Toronto as Boston tried to match the identity of that young Maple Leafs team and now to have him back in, what you think that says about what they're going to try and do with their lineup tonight?
4: Yeah, Allison, you're right. It was kind of strange that, you know, Bruce, Cap- Bruce Cassidy made that tweak in the lineup because that fourth line, and I really I hate describing it as a fourth line. It's more of an energy line. And it was Chris Wagner, Nolichari, and Sean Corrale for the majority of this regular season. And they were more of the more, more consistent lines here in Boston, um, you know, right after that top line and Bruce Cassidy wasn't afraid to put that trio against opposing top lines and, and was very successful. I mean, there was a stretch in January and February where, where Bruce Cassidy started that line uh, every period of every game for a, a long stretch. Um, so it was a little surprising that Wagner was out of the lineup uh, for game six and, and Nordstrom was in. Uh, but, you know now we see that he's Bruce Cassidy's looking for a little more, a uh, little more speed, a little more physicality from that third line, and so now Wagner is going to be playing with Coyle and Johansson, which I like. And as soon as we saw that line rush this morning here at uh, the practice facility, I was like, well, oh, I, I kind of like that. So he's going to keep that that fourth line together of, of Nordstrom, Machari, and and Corrali, and Wagner is going to be in that role. So. Uh, you know, he he's a local kid here, and and he's actually can have that success playing from the home crowd because a lot of a lot of guys can't do that, you know, in front of their their home fans. So it's going to be interesting. To your point, Allison, to see how Chris Wagner responds here tonight.
1: Awesome. Nice, Tommy. Uh,
4: obviously, the,
3: one of the one 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 interesting aspect of this series, uh, in here in Columbus, is the the city and the area is starting to get more and more. Young kids that have grown up in Columbus who like the Blue Jackets into the NHL, and one of them is Sean Corrali. I
0: just uh-huh. wanted
3: to get your impressions of the way he's played. He seems like he has become a little bit of a big game player. He's got like five or six goals in only 19 career playoff games. What is about him that seems to he seems to elevate at this time of year?
4: Yeah, Tom, you're right. I mean, Sean Corrales has the flair for the the dramatic on the, the big stage, and he's done that in his career with the Bruins, and uh, obviously he did it in, in Game 7. Uh, he did it in the Winter Classic at uh, Notre Dame against the Blackhawks. He did it. Actually, his first uh, his debut, his Bruins debut, actually came in the postseason against the, Ottawa's, uh, the Ottawa Senators a couple years ago, and he scored a couple big he is, and I, you know, I, I wrote about this after the, uh, during the first round when he was hurt, when he was out with a broken hand. Is that, you know, there's a trickle-down effect with the Bruins lineup when he's not in it. And as soon as he was back for Game Five, I, he made an immediate impact in Game Five, Six, and Seven. And it's just he brings that energy. He's he's one of the fastest skaters on the ice. He's relentless on the forecheck. He has that ability to control the puck down low and just tire out. Uh, opponent's defenders, and the Bruins understand his. You know the, the his teammates. You no, know, it's no coincidence that the Bruins, as Bruce Cassidy has mentioned, finally found its uh, found their identity when Corrally was back in the lineup because he just adds depth and balance to this lineup. And to your point, um, you yeah, know, he, he was asked how you know, being a kid from from Ohio and growing up a Blue Jackets fan and going to be like for him to play against you know the team that he grew up watching and. He had a lot of great things to say about, you know, youth hockey in, in Columbus and in the Ohio area, and, and it meant for his career. And he said, you know, he wouldn't be in the NHL right, right now if it hadn't been to going to all those Blue Jackets games as a kid and, and having the resources around Columbus uh, because of the Blue Jackets and the influence that they had on hockey in that area. So, just a great story that, that you know, a kid from kid from Columbus is
1: playing against the team that he, he grew up watching and going to games. And how weird is it going to be to see, because he's, of course, going to be in some scrums with these guys, his friends, to be shoving and pushing and MFing each other in scrums after they've been hanging out the last couple summers, working out, getting ready for the season. Ah, you got to love the grand old game.
4: You know, he, is just uh, We talked about that this morning. He was basically just kind of focused on, you know, the t- task at hand and, and what needs to get yeah. done here in order for the Bruins to advance but uh without you know without a doubt I mean he's going to be pumped against playing playing against those guys that you know he works out with in the summer and sure and that's the case that's the case a lot in the NHL these days yeah you know we had you know a lot of the Bruins players you know Brad Marsh and uh Patrice Bergeron you know they're up in Halifax during the summer and they're working out with Sidney Crosby so you know these guys get together a lot during the off offseason and, and work out and you can tell, especially at this time of the year, right? It's like it doesn't matter who your best friend is out on the ice because uh, they're not friends on the ice. I mean, these right. guys are
1: that that close to winning the Stanley Cup, so that's, that's what they're focused on. Yeah, they all know each other for sure. Joe, thanks for joining us. Enjoy the uh, game tonight. Enjoy the series. We'll be talking to you uh, again I'm soon, I'm sure. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. All right, that's a wrap. Uh, thanks for listening to us. Thanks for reading. Thanks for watching. We will we'll be we'll be cranking these out just like we did in the first round every couple few days probably on the day of games to uh, get you prepped uh, for that night's game. So anything else to add, Allison?
2: Uh, I think I think we're good. Tom? I think Tom's good too. Oh.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, uh, once again, thanks, and we will talk to you soon.